Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and since 2014, we've been celebrating and commiserating with world-class experts, best-selling authors, and parents around the world. Hi, everyone. My kitchen renovation is done. Actually, there's a problem, and there's going to be another week, but we're going to table that till January. So for the time being, our kitchen renovation is done. We took down some cabinets and we put two windows in because it was really dark in our kitchen. And now we can see into the backyard and it's so beautiful. And the crazy thing is our house is from the 1920s. And apparently at some point there had been two windows looking out to the backyard. So really we're just bringing our home back to her former glory. Last week, we shared our episode. The title was Do Less. I'm not doing less right now, but I have taken a lot of the things that I learned in that conversation, and I'm applying it to my life right now. The number one thing being learning how to ask for help. So your friends might know that you're going through a struggle. I shared on the episode last week that my husband, Adam, was diagnosed with rheumatoid arthritis. A couple years ago, after a very weird period of him falling apart, like his body totally fell apart, and we couldn't figure out why, even though I kept saying it's not immune disease. Anyway, it's hard for them to be diagnosed, and sometimes people don't listen to me when they should. Anyway, point being, last week I finally shared that that's been going on behind the scenes for a couple years now. And usually it's under control. On occasion, there's a flare-up. And when it happens to coincide with a toddler who is out of her crib now and the holidays and a bunch of other things happening, it can get overwhelming. So while we tend to share that we're so busy and doing things, and we'll share a little bit of our overwhelm with friends, I, at least personally, have always had a hard time answering the question, how can I help? I just go blank when someone asks that. And so after our episode last week with Kate Northrup about her book, Do Less, I was able to actually text my friends back. So my girlfriend, Roberta, who lives down the street and our daughters go to the same school, she had texted probably because she had listened to the episode. <laughs> she was like, can I take Sabrina to school this morning? And I was like, yes, please, yes. And a couple of weeks ago, I would have had that knee-jerk reaction of like, nope, I'm just going to muscle through. I'm going to do it all myself. Like, she doesn't need that. She's got a lot of things going on in, you know, in her own world. Like, I don't need to put that on her. But uh, we can ask for simple things. Or we can start with baby steps in that way. And so, yes, you can totally take my kid to school. And... Not only did that save 40 minutes this morning when I have this interview with Catherine, but it also, accepting that support made me feel a little lighter. Like sometimes it's not even about the thing that you're being helped with. It's about knowing that someone sees you and is showing up. And when we can accept that and not feel guilty about it, You know, it can give us a little wind in our sails when we need it. So 
today I had Catherine McCord walk through my kitchen. <laughs> and it was so crazy. Um, if you follow her on Instagram at Weelicious, you can imagine what a surreal experience that would be. Catherine is a former Victoria's Secret model and founder of the healthy eating destination Weelicious and organic food delivery service One Potato that has amassed a huge following. Her much-anticipated third cookbook, The Smoothie Project, debuting December 17th, 2019. It's already Amazon's number one new release for cooking with kids, I just saw. And it's a smoothie Bible packed with delicious, foolproof recipes. With guidance from top nutritionists, McCord explains how to eat based on your age and details the health benefits of key smoothie ingredients. So this is our final episode of 2019. If you want to give me a holiday gift please consider writing a review on iTunes. It can be like three sentences. I also get slightly intimidated by how well-crafted some of these reviews have been. And I'm like, I should just copy and paste this and make me <laughs> my new summary for the podcast. You guys are so kind. But just three sentences are enough. And I really appreciate hearing from you all. It also helps new moms find us because we live in a really dumb world driven by algorithms. If you've waited years, do it, please. It'll take a minute. You all are the reason I do this podcast, and hearing from you is the fuel that keeps it going. There's also a really good chance that you'll see another mom when you're at the airport traveling over the holidays. Tell her about Atomic Moms. Or maybe you're going to reconnect with an old friend who now has a baby. You know, just take their phone and subscribe to Atomic Moms on it. And also join us on Instagram. Happy New Year, everyone. I'll be right back with this conversation with Catherine McCord. Hi, Catherine. Welcome to Atomic Moms. Thank you for having me. Okay, so we were in a security line last year for a charity event, and I said to you, hi, I think I know you. And you were like, uh, yeah, uh, Instagram maybe? <laughs> no, like, is yes. that what I said? Is that what I said? That's even no, like terrible. No, no, I think that that's probably the version I told myself later that night when I was tossing and turning and was like, oh, why did I make such a fool out of myself? Because, by the way, that does happen often in this town where you think you know somebody and you sort of do through social media. We had Upfronts, which is a big event in New York when they announced the television shows for the season. And so we were there once with my husband's show on NBC Undateable. And we went to a party and I saw a guy, my husband said hi to him because he actually knew him. And I gave him a big hug because I thought we were good <laughs> friends. <laughs> you are good friends. Oh, you are. Well, I mean, good friends because I had a few drinks. So everyone's a good friend. But I thought I knew him. And I knew him from the movie I had watched yeah. on the plane ride. Of course. To New York. It's that's the hazard of living in Los Angeles, by the way, <laughs> because you do like, I mean, I've had people hug me and it's not even Weelicious. They think I'm Cameron Diaz. Oh, so I, see I, that. I, you know, I mean, so like, I'm, yeah. I'm, but people come to Los Angeles with this like fascination of like, uh, there must be celebrities everywhere. So anyone that looks like a celebrity, they're like, or, or it really is at Starbucks you run yeah, into like, you do. It's, it's just, it is someone that you're watching on TV. Oh, gosh. So, yeah, that's when I first met you and I realized, or I connected probably very quickly that it was actually from admiring your Instagram, Weelicious. And then one day I was taking my daughter Eliza to school 
And I was like, who is that beautiful blonde walking her dog out in front of my house? And I was like, oh, Catherine's stalking me. That's what's <laughs> See? Reverse. <laughs> exactly. And I was like, I was a, probably a hot mess, like in my sweats. My dog is also has like massive anxiety. So I can't even imagine the duo. I was probably like mortified. No, it was so perfect because it turns out we're neighbors. Yeah, we literally live 10 minutes I mean, 10 Walk. seconds, 10 houses <laughs> from each other. But yet I was late. That's embarrassing. No, it was so good. You guys, she was late, like barely. But because I have the podcast studio in the back, I didn't want to miss the doorbell. Oh. So I was sitting out front and it was the perfect opportunity to take a few breaths and get my like right eye from, to stop twitching because tis the season. Mm. As you said earlier, it's insane. You got home did you say from San Francisco last night at midnight? I flew to San Francisco at two and I landed back at midnight. For work. <laughs> For work. What made you want to launch a book <laughs> in December? <laughs> Yeah. I mean, that wasn't even for the book. Like that's even it's well, the book comes out December, you know, seventeenth, but it's for like New Year, New You, January. Mm -hmm. I don't know. I'm like, I'm just a glutton for punishment for for any and everything in my life, I think. <laughs> I so in your bio, you mention that that the smoothie project was inspired by a challenging health situation mm -hmm. with your son. Mm -hmm. Can you share a little bit about what that situation was and how you went about problem solving? Well, so I've had Wheelicious for 12 years and much of it was based on my oldest child, Kenya. Um, so it's, which really the site revolved around like, how do I make him a great eater from day one? I had gone to culinary school and worked in restaurants and catering companies. And I realized like I can cook a four star meal. I have no idea what to feed this baby. So it's been like, I was like, what do I feed you? I don't know. Um, so once Kenya became, um, let's see, he was eight and a half years old and eight and a half, nine. Yes. And he was getting headaches and nausea and this persisted for some time. I mean, months. And he is, the two things about Kenya is like, he doesn't complain. Like, if he has anything going on in his body, he's just not that kid. You know, like some kids are like, I don't want to go to school, so I'm going to say I have a headache. Mm -hmm. Like, he's never misses a day of school. So he's having all these, like, persistent issues. Um, and I was just, like, consulting doctors and nutritionists and just, like, really trying to figure out what was going on. He just felt terrible. So I started to, like, really look also at my place in it. And Kenya became a vegetarian when he was five years old by choice. And he is a very hardcore vegetarian. So what evolved over the years, even though he like loves fruits and vegetables and he'll eat just about anything, he's going to ask for, and he was, it got to this place where he was like, can I have waffles? Can I have pancakes? Can I have crepes with cheese or Nutella or, you know, whatever is in them? And I realized that morning after morning, I was putting just bread and cheese and uh, sugars, even though like natural sugars, like this was becoming his diet. This is our diet and we don't even have the virtue of being vegetarian. <laughs> exactly. And what, that was like his, ex the, you know, the excuse. Like he's, so it, it, what ended up happening was I realized, I read this book um, by Kelly Dorfman and uh, Cure Your Kids with Food. And I read this just word about smoothies. And the next day I drew this chart with pictures of fruits and vegetables and carbohydrates and proteins. And I let him, I laminated it and let him circle. And I said, pick any smoothie concoction you want. And we did this for several weeks. And within the course of those weeks, all of his symptoms went away. His headaches, his nausea, 
like just not feeling good. And he even started to connect that he was like, wait a minute, if I put this in my body, I feel good. And what it led to, we can get into this, but with several years of working with different people, realizing it in myself, that if we put fruits and vegetables and proteins in our bodies at the beginning of the day, we're like firing our brains and bodies. You know, I was sending him to school lethargic Mm -hmm. and putting foods in his body that just weren't going to work for him Um, and probably don't work for, you know, many people, but we just don't know. And it's just, you know, it's creating new habits. Mm -hmm. Yeah, because sometimes we know and we do it anyway. But if we have the tools... Maybe I'll be making some other choices in the new year. I have, a, I'm trying to think of, you know, I I got a fancy blender a few years ago. You know, <laughs> we all try these things for a minute, right? And then I got it stuck in my head that there was too much sugar. Mm. And I think a lot of people are concerned about that because I have flashbacks to being 23, going on jogs with my husband, and we'd stop at Jamba Juice afterwards and drink, like, and just slurp up an extra large, you know, sugar concoction. Mango, orange, whatever. But you you know that that Jamba Juice only uses sherbet in their smoothies. They don't even use fruit. So I'm going to get out my blender again now that you have this book (laughs) and tell me what are those like three or four things that make a good smoothie that is actually healthful and not just sending our children off with a different sort of sugar high. Yeah. So when it comes to making smoothies, you know, for me, I look at them like juicing versus smoothies. Like smoothies have tons of fiber. Like we put the real, we're not putting juice in them. It's real strawberries or banana or mango. Like you can use anything and always trying to get a vegetable in there. So even frozen cauliflower, which you don't taste and it makes smoothies really, really creamy. Um, And, you know, adding in like, you know, hemp seeds, chia seeds, bee pollen, which is an immunity booster, great for seasonal allergies, high in protein. So it's all these ingredients that when you mix them up, you're like, what is this? It's like dessert. It's so good. But the the only sugars in them are natural sugars. Mm -hmm. And is there anything about portion control that I should keep in mind? I mean, (laughs) if you saw the smoothies like my son, my husband and I have, it's like, it's sort of obscene. So, I mean, I, you know, I pretty, I'm like a healthful person. I'm minor, like 16 to 24 ounces. I'm not the, but my kids are 10 ounces. I like know the size, like the, the Mm -hmm. I've, I've measured all the glasses in our house. So I know the, the portion sizes of all of them. Um, Because also writing the book, I wanted to make sure that I'm giving the right portion size for, Mm -hmm. for people. But, you know, if you're eating fruits and vegetables and proteins, you're not going to, you're not going to, like, I don't want to say this because I don't like, like, I try not to, I try to like earmuffs about dieting because it's not a diet book, but you're not going to gain weight. You're like the idea with the book is you're like maintaining or losing or you're, you know, there's some smoothies that in the book that are more like for, especially for kids, mm-hmm. cancer patients, people that need like nutrient dense calories. So I think there's, you know, a difference there. Mm-hmm. Can we go back to the beginning? Sorry. <laughs> yes, what is the beginning? What how is far the sorry? Back? What's the sorry? <laughs> I was I'm trying to figure out how that far back we're going. Oh, well, we're not going all the way back to supermodel days yet. I want to go back. <laughs> you just want to spit out your water. Yeah, that's right. Exactly. That's why I'm like, how far back are we going? <laughs> I love it. You're tired. I've got you locked exactly. in this room. Exactly. <laughs> padded walls. Let's let's go deep. Yes. Um, I want to go back to the beginning of Weelicious. 
And you started it in 2007 mm-hmm. when, I, when I was doing my research. It's, you know, you, you talk about how you were doing chat rooms. Like this is pre-blogging, definitely pre-Instagram. Oh, gosh, yes. And now there is this whole wellness movement on top of the whole motherhood game that just seems to have amplified significantly since I started the podcast in 2014. Amazing. How, how did you kick it off? But I guess what I really want to know is how do you combat burnout after doing it for so long? And also, like, how do you stay original when it feels like there are a lot of people now probably attempting to do what you've trailblazed? Um, that's a, that's a lot in one. Let me, th- let's, let's go back to the, the first part probably, <laughs> which was I started Wheelicious more out of necessity than anything. So there weren't a lot of blogs at all. Um, and I started it because I wanted, I was looking up information for myself as a brand new mother. Like, how do you make kids great eaters from day one? How do you make cooking easy, baby food recipes, nutrition? Like, I, and I just couldn't find information. There was literally like one or two books. There, you know, the only sites were like Baby Center. It, there wasn't anything. So I just started, I created a URL. I started on my little Nikon camera taking pictures of baby food that I, like one friend had told me like were lovely, but looked more like vomit than anything. <laughs> that says more about baby food <laughs> exactly, than Exactly, exactly. It was my little, my little <laughs> camera. Um, and really, I just got super engaged with the audience. Like chat, it was, it was chat rooms. There was Facebook. And I would like, I mean, I still do like answer every single question. I was just so fascinated that uh, my struggles were the same as other mothers and that we all have this universal problem, which is that for the most part, we went to college, we went right into the workforce, and we didn't realize that having a baby, like having a baby, like that's the greatest dream for so many people. But it also means once you have that baby, you're feeding them 21 meals plus snacks every week. 52 weeks a year for 18 (laughs) years. So once you start to digest that fact, you're like, I need help. It's so painful. So um, so that really was the beginning of Mm Weelicious. I didn't take any ad sales. I did nothing. I didn't make a penny for the first two years. I really felt like this was like my service to the world Mm -hmm. to, you know, to have this community. And it just grew really, really fast. And I was working like seven days a week, like insane and trying to take care of a new baby. And it just, it grew really fast. And I just, as it went from baby food to toddler food to this idea of like, I don't want to be a short order cook. I want one family, one family, one meal making food simple. So then when you grow, then the next part of the question is really that how do I keep it original and how do I keep excited? It's like, I just like, I live for every minute and every, every moment of like, what is work? Um, Mm -hmm. It's become something different, but the, the audience, the community and my own family and children are a hundred percent what drives it. Like, there's just new ideas every day because I, again, like my struggles trying to figure out, like, you know, like my kids are getting on a plane today and I'm like, what am I going to, I got to get them food. I want to make sure that it's good. So like the the ideas are endless because there's just always new problems or new, Mm -hmm. you know, Mm -hmm. conundrums that I'm like trying to, you know, combat. When you just mentioned the one meal Mm -hmm. for the family. Can you talk to us a little bit about the concept of one potato? Mm-hmm. 
which cities it's going to be in soon. Because I feel like I was reading that there's a a ramp up. There's always, there's always, yeah, there's a lot happening. So One Potato is, what happened there was that I was developing recipes for another meal delivery company. So I was trying a lot of them and I, I just was like, none of this works for families. Like the, there are, you know, their um, meals were like two adults and two kids was, that's the only size. And I'm like, well, wait a minute, I have three kids. So One Potato is, uh, all, the food is organic it's you can have two adults and then one, two, three, four kids. We're in eight states on the West Coast, and all the meals are semi-prepared. So it's the meals take anywhere from like twelve to thirty minutes for the most part, and they're very DIY. So that one family, one meal. It's like my son's a vegetarian. You know, maybe one of us loves one food more than another. So you put everything out. And an example of meals like chicken burrito bowls. So you have like quinoa or rice and chicken and salsa and guacamole and blah, blah, blah. Everyone's like making their own bowl. So it's like unique. Like we don't all eat the same way. We don't all have the same desires. You know, we try no. very much. <laughs> yeah, we try very much. Like in, when I'm cooking, I'm like, look, this is dinner. But I try to give a little bit of flexibility in the meal, um, you know, depending on, you know, the, who's eating. What do you do with the circle backs? Like, okay, uh, my six-year-old is just really loving the stall tactic mm-hmm. of I'm hungry. And I will say, kitchen is closed. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't matter because she just still wants something else because she didn't eat enough in the moment. Mm-hmm. What do I do? And then I just end up filling them up on warm milk. Yeah. So um, I, this is actually sort of an easy one. It, it's a two-part question. Um especially when kids are younger, on the younger side, like their digestion, they're just still not there. You know, they're trying to figure Don't out- Don't give Sabrina new excuses. I don't, no, 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 no. I've got you on <laughs> I'm this. Kidding, I'm, I'm giving her an excuse, I'm but totally this is getting, between us. This she would she love it. Know. She will say that. She'll be like, she'll, my digestion isn't fully oh, she developed. Will totally okay, mom. Say that. So here's my, my suggestion. This is what I do with my family. I make it so boring. When kitchen is closed, like you're saying- but they're just like, also, we've just got to get to bed. And we have, mm-hmm. there are those kids that don't accept like kitchens closed. Yeah. So you make it, it's all about two choices. And I use this in parent, there's the two choice method. I'm mm-hmm. sure you know about it, but it, I use it a lot in food. So fine, I'm going to give you two choices. You can have a banana or you can have a handful of almonds. What's your choice? You make it so boring that the behavior goes away because you have, you're still giving her a choice. You're like, mm-hmm. you get bananas or almonds, which one you want. But for her, she's like, that's not what I wanted. But you're that those are the choices. That's mm-hmm. what I've got. Those are both good for you. They're, you know, easy to digest, nutritious, blah, blah, blah. So you make it boring. Okay. I'm gonna go buy almonds. Or today. whatever. I mean, I don't know. No, those are great choices because yeah. they're also not like she always wants peanut butter and jelly, which is not no, a great we're choice. We're not making anything. I know. We're not making anything. And we're not making it. There's nothing. We're simplifying. Like, Our house is falling apart. We gotta simplify. Cheese stick is fine. No yogurt. Yogurt makes a mess. It takes too long to eat. Yes. I'm, like nothing I'm that done makes, with I'm not yogurt. cooking. <laughs> no. No. Yeah, that's good. You know what and I mean? the way you said it was so direct. And um Two Choices has been revel we choices. only learned about two choices when my son was like eight, nine. So we, I have a four year old also and we've used it all. Oh, it's so good. Do you it's, say two choices first? I always give two choices, but I feel like I should start saying two choices. Oh, no, no, no. Choices. I'm going to give you two. Oh, it's with everything. Even this morning, she was yeah. getting up. She was like, I don't want to get out of bed. I was like, I'm going to give you two choices. I'm going to go downstairs and finish breakfast, or I'm going to go get your clothes and get you dressed. What's your choice? And she was like, go get my clothes. I was like, okay. Yeah. I mean, we do it with every, every move. I think I also time. need to channel your energy with this. 
Because you've got like a real unstoppable energy when you say it. Like, no one's listen. I'm no gonna give you two choices. Give you two choices. <laughs> Very firm in the eyes. It's no, so good. I say, it, I say it with much love. Oh, of course. No, this is good. Okay, we do share a habit in the evening where we both listen to meditations with our kids oh, when they fall that. asleep. Yeah. Okay, my thing is sometimes then I fall asleep. <laughs> so how do you like keep the train moving after you've listened to a meditation for 20 minutes? Yeah, I'm, oh my God. I can like, you can lay me on this hard, hard table yeah. and I'll fall asleep. <laughs> I've literally, lately it's been, I can watch five minutes of the morning show, that show, like the Apple show. Uh-huh. Oh, oh, cool. Five minutes. Yeah. And it'll be a scene I really want to see like with Steve Carell. And I'm like, oh, I'm interested in this moment. And I am, out. Out cold. Oh, yeah. My husband, I've watched like five minutes of every episode of The Crown. <laughs> <laughs> every night my husband turns it on. I'm like, <sighs> I don't know what I, yeah, I'm just, I'm just pretty tired. But do you do any work after the meditation and the kids go to so, bed? Or are yes, you just over yeah. that? Because so, I used to, with my first kid, I could get back to work and now it's, it's game over. Yeah. No, I have to go back to work every night for the most part. But I, the good part is that like my two older kids, they like, I'll sit with them for a few minutes, but now they like want it on their own. So that's good. And actually like Gemma, I, I do a little bit. She's the four-year-old with the meditation, but she's like, she's a good, like, She's like a good, pretty good rule follower with like, okay, it's time to go to bed. Love you. You know what I mean? Like she, she'll just like fall asleep on her own. Wow. I know. I'm impressed. But by the way, we have one that just doesn't go to bed. So I've, I have the, I've run the gamut. <laughs> you know what I mean? Oh yeah. I've been by number three. I was like, oh, we got to go to bed. You got to go, go to bed. bed. Yeah. You got to go to bed. Yeah. We're with our two year old. She's just transitioned out of her crib. Aww. So there's that whole game. Like now that she doesn't have this beautiful cage. She's, it's like, she's really trying to keep, you know, the show running till after nine o'clock. Oh, we just pulled Gemma out of her crib two weeks ago. She's four and four months. You were so lucky. Her legs were like wrapping (laughs) over the crib. She's so tall. But I was like, oh, we're not getting rid of the baby cage until. No, no. But I, she, Eliza fell on her head. Oh, which is not the first time I've had to share that on the podcast. <laughs> so she had this huge bruise, and I was like, Sabrina climbed yeah. out of the crib once. I was able to convince her to stay in it again until she was at least three and a half. Uh-huh. But Eliza had the head injury, and I was like, ah. Yeah, and right. I watched it on the Nest camera. So I was like, oh, since I saw it go down, it. I can't forget do it. that. You're like, no. So but by the, way, it's, by the way, we are really late. You're like no, the perfect time. So yeah, it's no. no, it's better. I think, it's, yeah, it's it, it doesn't. That that stuff, I'm like, whenever it's right for your kid. Speaking of your three kids, you've got a big age gap. I know. Between the last two. Is it seven years? Uh, it's eight and a half between Kenya and Gemma, and it's six and a half between Chloe and Gemma. Wow. Yeah. Okay. It was not like, that was all my husband. He was like, I want a third. I was like, why? We have a boy <laughs> and a girl. We are so good. Like, they're two years apart. We're out of it. We're out of it. Yeah. And he was like, and he begged. And... Okay, did you have a new appreciation for newborn land since you had had that long break? Oh, yeah. I mean, I, I'm the person, I love being pregnant. I love giving birth. I, and I like having a third has been the greatest gift of our life. I mean, it is, it's truly magic. And I'm so grateful. I'm a big, <laughs> I'm the biggest advocate of age gaps <laughs> because <laughs> I, I could never, when I see people that do it like back to back to back, I am, I am, just bow to you. I think mm-hmm. it's amazing. But like my two first being so close together was like challenging for me. Yeah. I had a good 
four-year oh, yeah. almost gap. Oh, yeah. And it was very helpful that first year, especially because Sabrina wanted to help with Eliza a lot. I mean, from day one, Eliza was her baby. Like, even in my stomach, she was like, we should tell people, this is my baby. <laughs> I, I was just a surrogate. Totally. Now that Eliza really has her own opinions, just blossoming in this toddlerdom, <laughs> it's, it's, it's getting more challenging. Oh, yeah. It's really challenging. Oh, yeah. Gemma runs the show. Does she? Oh, yeah. Oh, I love that. But in a very funny way. What was it like giving birth after 40? <gasps> um, It was... So I go to... I hospital birthed my son, and I home birthed Chloe and Gemma. Mm-hmm. So... It was it was the best. It was really the best because I knew. I, I think. Look, the more if you have more children, you like the first time. It's just horrible. Every I stressed out for like every day for you know ten months. Mm-hmm. But by you know by the third child, I was you know it's more about I think like staying connected because you're just so busy. Um, but it was it was it was the best. Talk to me about the choice of going from a hospital birth to a home birth. And did you do, did you have a doula at the hospital when you had your hospital birth? That's a great question. I did have a doula and she saved me because it, it, my, it, it was not a great experience at the hospital. That's hence why I ended mm-hmm. up switching, but I didn't know there was a choice. And that was the craziest thing is that I, so I did have a doula and I was, I birthed at Cedars. And so I had two midwives that were my nurses. Oh, it I was, had a midwife that was a nurse. Her name was Dawn. Did oh, you by any chance have Dawn? I don't. She looked like she worked on a farm in <laughs> Iowa. But isn't it amazing? And when, she just like carried me. Oh, she had, I she was this big her. mama bear. Oh, and God. when I saw her walk in yeah. and get me out of the tub, I was like, this is the person who's going to carry my ass across the finish line. It's totally, I mean, that. That is 100%. I mean, God bless my husband, who was, like, asleep on a stretcher for, like, when I was being induced. I mean, when my doula was, like, walking. She was the one carrying me. So, um, anyway, but I I saw a documentary, The Business of Being Born, when I was six months pregnant with Chloe, my middle child. And I was like, oh, my God, there's other choices. I mean, I I had had friends who home births, but I just, I think I just, until someone's, like, really in your face and something's, like, and I went to my doctor. I was like, I think I'm leaving you. I love you and I want to stay in the practice, but I'm going to home birth. He was like, what? He just, he was like, I don't even understand. And we're still friends, which is kind of funny because he always teases me. But uh, yeah, but it was, just became this very much more natural for me personally. But I like, I'm so supportive of like any woman's right. choice for what birth style they choose. But Same. yeah, but for me, it worked. We had, uh, I had a different doula the second time. Oh, interesting. But both of my births were at Cedars, uh, unmedicated. And oh, that's impressive. They were uh, very different births. And listeners, new listeners, you can hear my birth stories if you go back in the archive. I love, I'm going to listen. I oh, yeah. love the second one stories. with Eliza is pretty great because Adam, my husband, secretly recorded yeah. parts of it. Oh, I love that, Isn't though. That sweet? No, I, oh, God, do that. Film your children at all times. Their voices, births, their all voices. that. Oh, we replay them all the time. Their voices are so good. It's so funny. Ah, but I, but yeah, point being moms out there and mothers to be, you know, there are a lot of options out there. So, yeah. and it's, it's never too late to change it up. I mean, totally. you were six months down that path when you decided yeah. that you needed to try something different. Yeah, I think that my only thing always is like go into your first birth 
knowing before you make a decision, knowing like all the different options, don't be scared. I think that that's like people will, you know, to scare tactics, just like mm-hmm. you're going to feel it. What's right for you? Mm-hmm. What's right for you? So many op- birthing centers, home birth, hospital, yeah. like and it's, it, and the game has changed so much since I had my first son. Okay, enough of this deep, serious, soulful stuff. <laughs> Is Jennifer Gardner as nice as she seems? <laughs> exactly. Let's. Jennifer Garner is nicer really? than you would imagine. She's like just a lovely, lovely human being. I just fell in love with her on Instagram because they shared a video of Julie Andrews calling her because oh, Katie Couric did a surprise call. It's like the most, I mean, Isn't that, that great? That, but that's like so, I mean. So she, is, she got all sweaty. Her like armpits, she's like waving at her armpits. Oh, she yeah. doesn't know she's being recorded, oh, yeah. but she's got this surprise call from Julie Andrews, her hero, and she's just sweating and freaking out. And it was the cutest. I, my favorite was like the 12-part series of it. She's like, yeah, oh yeah. my God, <laughs> it's great. But don't we all do that? Yeah, no, she, there's, you know, that's the, that is the one thing that I've like noticed and seen like living in Los Angeles or whatever, like, I would say like those people that you're like, oh my God, I wonder what they're really like. Mm-hmm. Most most people that I've come in are like really nice, <laughs> really generous and humorous and, you know, just lovely people. How That's do my experience. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure there is the dark side. I'm sure, but well, we're also lucky that we're, well, yeah. And I, I was going to say we're lucky that we're in the more like mothering centric mm-hmm. part of all of this, but- with our husbands being in the industry and your husband being, you know, this huge producer, like you do get, you would have the opportunity to meet plenty of not nice people. So, yeah. So it's nice to hear. Yeah. I I have no bad stories. You know, we were just talking about Katie Couric. Growing up, I was obsessed with Diane Sawyer. And I saw that you were as well. Obsessed. So I'm thinking about 1995. Uh-huh. We'd watch Good Morning America every oh. Morning with my mother as we get ready to go to school. And at that time, you were on the catwalk, the Victoria's Secret inaugural fashion show. Hilarious. You know, totally normal walking down with like a runway with your underwear. It was very, yeah, it was very like, I mean, no, I I had never done it. No, No one had ever really done it. Do you remember walking up to the plaza to go do it? I remember a lot of that because I'm actually still good friends with a lot of the girls that I was in the show with. So we will like laugh about it. You know, it was, yeah, it was really, it was super surreal. Yeah, like Donald Trump was in the front row. Wow. Oh, yeah. Full on. I mean, it would be so weird to look into the future. I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> There's a lot, believe me, I scratch my head at a lot of things that are today that I wasn't, uh, you know, I was. Um, there were surprises. Yeah, that was actually a really cool experience because when I was modeling, there was it, there was just so much transition of what was happening. So it was like the, I was very young. I was like a baby, like 16, 17, when the supermodels like Christy, Cindy, Naomi, like all these, like they were the queen bees. And I, I was doing runway shows with them and just being like wide-eyed. Um, and then, you know, the revolution of like Victoria's Secret, you know, it was Sports Illustrated, then Victoria's Secret came on, um, you know, came out and it was, it was the catalog, but then, which was like the catalog. It's so funny I even say that like now, like 
it was, it, it, you know, people just loved it. Um, and then the, we, I started doing the runway shows. Like, so I did the first few. Um, it was, yeah, it was really, and then they started on network television. And I just yeah. think the revolution of, you know, and even talking about supermodels into the waifs, like when um, Kate, um, Kate Moss came out and there was like that transition. So I think it's just been interesting, like watching how um, modeling has changed so much. It's just, it's a totally different beast in business now. You know, you just mentioned Kate Moss and that, you know, the whole waif look. And I know that growing up, you, you've always loved food. Your family loves food. You collected cookbooks as a child. Mm-hmm. What was your relationship with food like when you were a model? And how did that evolve or change when you went to culinary school? Or even if you were always cool with everything, <laughs> body image-wise, like I'm sure some of your model friends, that, that there could have been some tension there of like, hi, prepared this meal for you, come over for dinner. Like, because that was such an important, you know, like a dancer. Yes. It, it's very important. Like weight would matter in that world. I think it was very confusing for me at different times because of the fact that like I was like, I loved cooking as a kid. I loved watching my grandmother and like fresh food. And I was, I just loved it. And like collecting cookbooks. And I am genetically, you know, tall and like, like more slim, but it became confusing to me because I was younger living in a model's apartment for many years with models apartment. Now it all just, I mean, what the dialogue that's natural to me must it. sound like no. just like space This age. is like candy for me. <laughs> it's so funny. I, everyone, I feel like I am reading Elle magazine right I, now, I was, like in front of me. Like very, you're yeah. uh, so good. Okay. It was so funny, but I was very young. So I started like, I started modeling when I was 13. So I was like 14, 15, 16, 17, living in models apartments with these girls that were much older than me and had bigger challenges with their weight. So I've lived with like anorexic, bulimic, like, but I don't think I like understood it all. And I didn't understand like, so now, I mean, even today, like I, I, I enjoy talking to girls and really the smoothie project has been such a gift for um, mothers that email me about their teen daughters mm-hmm. and their weight and like they won't eat and you know, so I, I do think it's um, changed now, thank goodness. But at that time, it was very confusing to me because it was just like so much of it was about control, like girls controlling their bodies. Yeah. And then there was you know, modeling agencies and designers who were like, mm, you, you need to lose weight. It was, there was no, like today, like the movements, like no one would ever say that. You'd get sued. But back then. No, but I, there's stories just from a few years ago so in this horrible. town. You yeah. know, with TV shows and stuff, yeah. a lot of times, too a lot of people everything. are getting, we're getting, you know, we're going to get you a trainer and you yes. need to lose this amount of weight for the pilot. Totally. Like, there's so many stories. I mean, like that, really, yes, like, up to whatever, hopefully. exactly what you said, like, up to, like, what, four years ago, maybe? Maybe. Maybe They're probably three still years trying years to ago? encourage. Sure. <laughs> <laughs> but at least the time that I was living in, you know, it was yeah, much that was more. So yeah. intense. Yeah. So I never had that, but it circled around me deeply. Like, yeah. I, and watching it was, I, like I said, it was just very confusing. So my fascination, and I really feel like even going to culinary school was like my outlet into like, oh, thank God, like going back and just being around women who like loved food and people that loved food and like used it as a celebration more than like a control mechanism. Mm -hmm. It, It seems like from what I was reading that your parents really did help you 
have a clear head going into this because the idea of my child at 13 being in like a model's house or whatever. Oh. I don't even know what you call it. Model home. Like that's a model's apartment. A model's apartment. Excuse me. A flat. <laughs> wherever, a flat. whatever exactly. European city you were exactly. in. Um, for, it seems that there would be a million uh, skills that you have learned from that part of your life that you can apply as an entrepreneur now. But the tricky thing would be getting you to this healthy place to be able to use those skills in this new way. Mm-hmm. And I feel like there's probably a lot of girls, well, way to go dark, Ellie. <laughs> it's just the <laughs> no, holiday season. It. But I there's probably a lot of girls that don't get that second act because, because yeah, a lot was probably thrown at you. Oh, so I, how, yeah. How and did your parents help guide you? I mean, I I am so grateful for my parents in this way. And I mean, my mother still tortures herself. She's like, Mm -hmm. why did I let you do that? What was I thinking? And I really did convince my parents at a very, I was very young. You're convincing. I was convincing. You were like, like, I'm out of here. I got this. You're like, two choices. Yeah, two two choices. You let me go or I leave on my own. (laughs) Goodbye. Um, But no, I was just like, I had, I always had a very head, like I was very headstrong. I very, like very confident in my choices, but I will be completely honest. Like I I was out. I was like, I was living in a model's apartment in Paris when I was 15. I got there. These girls were so bananas. I went to the American church and found myself my own flat and ended up living by myself with a born again Christian. That's a whole other story, but it was (laughs) so wacky. But, but I, I just was, I was, I, 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 but I was great until I hit 18. Mm -hmm. So I, it's a, again another very long story, but I hit a um my like my career really went for it. I mean, I was like mm-hmm. on the cover of magazines and Calvin Klein and like all these incredible things were happening. And when I was like eighteen, I had a borderline like nervous breakdown because I was traveling every two days, different country, different you know states. Mm-hmm. And at that point, my mother came with me for a few months because it was just like too much. I had hit this breaking point where I was. I, I was fine and I was confident until I was just like, you know, mo- I mean, I give models a, a t- amazing credit because you're talking young girls from who knows if they, like mm-hmm. they didn't have parents like I had, like that amazing support. Um, and you're working just endless hours. And like you said, for some girls, weight can be like, so maybe you're not eating. I don't, you mm-hmm. know, for everyone it's different. Um, but I was just like, so my parents didn't, my mom came with me and um, but like, I still like, I, my dad's whole thing was like, I, if you save every penny that you make, then you can go do whatever you want with your life. And that's what like drove me because I, I realized, you know, there were girls that were just like buying Prada and Gucci mm-hmm. and, you know, like doing all kinds of things. And I was just like, it was a business for me. It was, it was, I saved everything. I treated it like a business. Future founder. Yeah. Future founder. Exactly. So good. Yeah. Thank you for sharing all of this. Thank you. Do you have any New Year's resolutions? Oh, um, I I mean, I just really want to get back to exercising. <laughs> I was like an exercise like lover for so many yeah. years. And like then I just had kids and work. And I'd rather spend my free time with my kids than I would like at a gym or something. Mm-hmm. So it's to, it's just of... keep walking your dog out in front of my house. <laughs> <laughs> He'll be happy. Okay, everybody. Add the Smoothie Project to your Christmas wish list. It's the perfect way to kick off January. All of Catherine's social media links are at wheelicious.com. Thank you so much for coming on, Catherine. Thank you for having me. Okay, everybody. 
until 2020. Trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Mm-hmm.